Wieder mehr als 40.000 Tote allein in den letzten Wochen. Es ist vorbei. The way of water connects all things. If you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. I'm an illusion if I'm from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. So uh, time to help you. In this family, it's the scientists versus the artists. Sammy's on my team, takes after me. Dance the mask. You must service the composer. You gotta supplement yourself, your ego, and yes, your identity. Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, aka Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. Looks paid for the tickets. Not bad, huh? <laughs> so what do you do? I sell shit. Hope for the unknown is good. Just better than hatred of the familiar. And we could not endure any more violence. You're listening to Let's Talk, a bi-weekly supplement to our regular podcast, Because You Watched, where we talk movies, films, and cinema, or whatever we're obsessed with at the moment. As always, I'm Charlie. And I'm Francesco. Francesco, let's talk. And this is the part where, like, some... The jingle should play. Yeah, which we, we don't have. have. Yeah, or, like, some... To... You, know, you know, like, in a, in a TV show where there's a flashback and there's, like, some, like, jingly music? Oh, we looked it up. We can try and edit it in. <laughs> no, I just think we should have us talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Francesco, why don't you tell the good folks at home what we're let's talking about today? Well, these are belated reactions to the 2023 Oscar nominations. They certainly are. And boy, do we have opinions. I don't have that many, actually. Boy, do I have opinions. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you that don't know, they were announced on the 24th of January by Alison Williams and Riz Ahmed. And I think they did great. But what was so funny was Alison Williams was announced as star of the upcoming film Megan. <laughs> <laughs> So, 2024, Megan is on the Academy's radar, is that all I'm saying? Oh, well. <laughs> M. Tregan. M. Tregan, you're, yeah. you're, you're quite right. Let's jump in talking about whether we think that these nominations are good. Do you think they drive the idea of what is good cinema in the popular consciousness forward in a good way? I think they're a good mixture of really popular box office successes and more critically acclaimed films. I've had few surprises with the nominations, although there are a few films that I wish were nominated but weren't. Yeah, and a few performances I wish were nominated that weren't. So yeah. why don't we just jump in with Best Picture and go through them in alphabetical order? Let's start from the big guns. All right, All Quiet on the Western Front. It is a German-language remake of the 1930 American anti-war film that won Best Picture that year. You've not seen it. I've not seen it. Uh, both are adaptations of a German book. They are. Yeah. I watched it today. I watched it at home. I didn't see it in the cinema. I think it's quite good. Mm -hmm. I was thinking when I was watching it, and I don't want to go too much into it because we've got a lot to discuss, whether that sort of war film about the futility of war and sending wave after wave of men to kill each other is futile, is relevant anymore to the way that wars are, you know, currently fought with, you know, cyber warfare and drone attacks. But then you kind of look at what's happening in Eastern Europe right now, mm -hmm. and it's a diff very different sort of war, but it is more reminiscent of World War One and World War Two than I think any of us expected. Yeah, it's very much a war that's been fought on the ground with infantry. I ex exactly. Yeah. How, how does it compare to something like 19 17 that was nominated a couple of years ago. I think it's very similar to 1917. Okay. I think that there's an added pathos 
with it being from the point of view of the German side, mm -hmm. especially knowing everything that happens following the German defeat. Mm -hmm. So I think that sets it apart from a film like 1917, but it is, yeah, it, it has a lot of similarities to anti-war war films like 1917, like Saving Private Ryan, like Platoon. I know Saving Private Ryan isn't an anti-war film, but it has a real viscerality to the action sequences. I've complained in the past, now that I think about it, I've complained in the past that it's very difficult to make an anti-war war film because war is always visually engaging and there is something that is shot a bit like a horror movie in this interesting which really I think does drive home just how unpleasant and pointless it is especially by a large amount of the film being set so near the end of the war and you just think well they're all dying for nothing I don't know if it's still in cinemas but I would recommend trying to catch it in cinemas yeah of course all right Avatar the way of water have you seen that? I still haven't seen Avatar The Way of Water. I've seen half of the Best Picture nominees so far, so I'm going to be the one asking the questions. Charlie's okay. going to be the one answering All them. right, ask, ask me a question. Avatar The Way of Water. What about uh, it? What about it, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very so, impressive. Technically, I'm not the biggest Avatar fan of the first one. I think this might be a mild improvement on the first one, just in terms of scale. But yeah, it, it doesn't... My opinions on Avatar are pretty well documented on our Avatar episode. This doesn't really change much of what I think about that franchise. But, you know, ultimately, I was impressed with it. I, it's, not, it's not up there in my favourite films of the year. So here's the question on everyone's lips. Everyone's? Sh everyone's. Even my dad's. Maybe not. Should this have been considered for Best Animated Film? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because James Cameron specifically said, he specifically was against that. Yeah. But it could be. And mm -hmm. I think it is such an achievement in computer generated imagery that I think that, that he's enforcing a binary that I don't think is necessarily that healthy. Yeah. Which is why in our upcoming Because You Watched Awards, mm -hmm. which I'm very much looking forward to, mm -hmm. we've made a point of saying best achievement in animation. Yeah. Best use of animation, something like that. Rather than best animated film because it's a technique and not a genre. Yeah, and the Best Animated Films can be nominated for Best Picture instead. But I'm glad it wasn't nominated because it would have had a good shot of stealing the award from Guillermo del Toro, and I really want him to win. It's, it's got an Oscar already, but I want him to win for this film. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny that you can throw all the Oscars in the world at Guillermo del Toro and he'll still struggle to get a movie made. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is really sad. Okay, The Banshees of Inisherin, which you have seen. I have seen. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And I'm happy it got nominated. I really like it. I think mm -hmm. Colin Farrell has a very good chance of winning Best actor we'll get to that later yeah. i really enjoyed it i think i wouldn't mind if it won best original screenplay i don't think it will but i wouldn't mind it mm -hmm. it has a real you know flair for making the quite mundane very beautiful both visually and in terms of the narrative yeah i i really like this film and i laughed and cried the whole way through yeah i mean it's martin mcdonough's best film in ages it feels like is it his best film since in bruges or do you think it's better than in bruges i need to rewatch them back to back i do think this more mature than in bruges but, but i know there are a lot of people who prefer in bruges to this because it's a bit tighter yeah it's a little tighter we're going to talk about in bruges soon mm -hmm. uh, on a regular episode but i don't know i i think that you could view them very much as two sides of a coin mm -hmm. and one is about two men who are sort of doomed by wanting to help each other mm -hmm. and this one is men doomed by wanting to get away from each other yeah but what i love about this one is that it really feels like the film that mcdonough wanted to make i know it's kind of a banal thing to say but it feels like the past couple of american projects gave him the clout and the budget to go off and make his own thing and get it produced i rewatched three billboards not recently recently but during the pandemic and it's you know it's better than i think thought it would be on a rewatch. Mm. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's as bad as I kind of thought it might have become over time. I don't love Seven Psychopaths. I know some people are fans of that film. It's just not. I think Christopher Walken <laughs> happens to be very good in that film. Yeah. But yeah, I like Martin McDonough, but he can be quite hit and miss. Yeah, okay. And that's, and that's yeah. fine. Should we move on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, Elvis, Baz Luhrmann. Have you seen that? I haven't seen Elvis, no. Are you a fan of Baz Luhrmann? I haven't seen one of his films in ages. We're going to rewatch uh, Moulin Rouge soon. Yeah. And I recommend you also watch to. Elvis for when we do Moulin Rouge. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch them all before, they, before sure. the actual show happens. <laughs> Just for today, I didn't have the time to catch up on eight films. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, Elvis, it's, you know, it's Baz Luhrmann, maximalism. It's Elvis Presley, maximalism as well. Mm -hmm. I think, I know he's having a real surge in awards contention 
right now, but I think Austin Butler is genuinely really good in this film. I think Tom Hanks is a lot of fun, and people slamming his performance. I think everything he's doing is a deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it is a phoned-in performance at all, like it is in Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio, yeah. which is what Tom Hanks looks like when he's phoning it in. He's not phoning it in, he's just making bizarre choices. Well, and I a kind bizarre, of love It's a that. bizarre film, it's a style And it's film. a bizarre character. Yeah, but In real life, it was a bizarre character. Austin Butler is trying to get people to talk about him by never leaving character during interviews. Is that is that what he's doing now? I have no idea. I really hope it's not a Jared Leto thing. I hope it's. I hope he'll turn around one day and it's all a bit. I hope he's just doing it so that people talk about it and it gets more attention for the Oscar, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, he's um he's a weird dude, isn't he? Turning up to the Met Gala with Elvis's wife as his date. <laughs> that's that's an odd thing to do, right? Uh, I mean, if if you had a chance, would you do it? Yeah, but okay, yeah, I'm yeah. also weird. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, Elvis, I'm glad it's up there. It's a fucking nuts film. <laughs> I don't love it, but I really, really like it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I have seen this one. I've also seen it. I think we both love this film. Uh, I like it a lot. I don't love it, I wouldn't say. I feel like... I'll stab you. <laughs> I, I, it's a film I really like, and it's a film I'm really, really happy to see getting given this attention because, you know, it is a film that feels like it's made through a very unique voice, although I'm not too big a fan of... It's over-reliance on referential humour. I'm not too big a fan of the fact that it seems to milk a few one-note jokes a bit too long. But other than that, I'm happy it's getting this recognition over some, like, boring, grey-suit studio projects. Because this feels like a film that was made with fun and heart. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, you know, a bit like Elvis in It's So Crazy. And there's a fight with sex toys in it and it has an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture. It was actually one of my favourite cinema experiences this year. It wasn't um, your favourite though, right? It wasn't my favourite. We know which one that was. We've talked but, about uh, that. It was ah uh, uh, uh. Yeah, but one of my favourites, because a lot of people that saw this in the cinema obviously said that, or the audience was erupting. It was such an interactive experience. Uh, I was full sold out screen. It wasn't particularly loud. I just had one guy sitting next to me who every 10 minutes or so kept going, that's mad, every time something mad happened. And that was such good commentary. Yeah, I mean, I, I was crying by the end, but as you know, I cry a lot in films because it's my main uh, source of emotional release <laughs> right now because I can't talk like a human being to people, but that's fine. Yeah, I really like this film. I'm a big fan of Michelle Yeoh. I think you are as well. Yeah. And I'm glad she's getting the recognition. We'll talk about that more when we get to Best Actress, but mm-hmm. I think throughout all this, we're going to hop around a bit. Yeah. The Fablements. Which I still haven't seen. It's only been out for a few days here. Yeah, I saw it at a preview at the Curzon in Mayfair, mm-hmm. and that was... A great experience. It's a very personal film uh, to Steven Spielberg, and yeah, I, I think that it—it's not a bit. It's not like Belfast, where the character is transported through the magic of cinema or theatre. It's ultimately about a character who is radicalised by an obsession with not just storytelling, but controlling things to make them the most captivating version of themselves and how that reverberates throughout his personal life as well at such a young age. And I think that it's a really unexpectedly introspective film into not just Spielberg's family and obviously his parents' divorce, which is a subject subliminally of a lot of his films, but of, you know, to quote James Joyce, the portrait of the artist as a young man. He he is he shows a really great understanding of why he does what he does. And part of it is that he genuinely loves it, but the other part is that he has this un this fundamental understanding of how to tell a story and how to show things visually. And and, and it's really interesting seeing that play out. And that be that could be such a boring film, but the fact that it works is, in my opinion, such an achievement. Uh, how does it compare to a film we discussed on the podcast with a similar premise, Nine. It is very different to Nine mm. uh, because it's not a musical. Is it better? It is better than Nine. Oh, that's Steven Spielberg's, hard to believe, but... Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans is better than Rob Marshall's Nine. Well, I'll because have to watch it. Nine isn't about Rob Marshall. It's about Fellini. It's not even about Fellini. <laughs> Look, you know go, what I'm go, saying. Go listen to our Chicago episode for, for more on that. Um, <laughs> so what's next? Yeah, our next is a film I know you've seen, and I think you like more than I do, Tar. Tar, yeah. Lydia Tar herself in her big screen debut, and I'm interested to see what Lydia does after this. But, you know, I, I, I don't know, I think wokeness has just sort of gone out of control, and we're just not treating Lydia Tar as an artist. We're treating her too much based on her personal life, and even though that's important, I don't think we're appreciating the work that she does as a composer. But you've seen that video they spread over. It was so clearly edited. Yeah, like, but yeah. but I, I, but she still said it. it's not. It's not. It's not important. This is. She had a gamer moment. Yeah, that's that's true. It's just a heated gamer moment. Come on, it's not. Uh, all right, but, the I rest mean, of us. Why don't we agree to disagree yeah. on Lydia Tarr's 
personal life. What do you think of this film? I love it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote a very lengthy letterbox review on it a few days ago, but I think that... Humble brat. No, just like, go read that if you want more thoughts. But yeah. I, I think Don't that, make me read. Uh, <laughs> Kate Blanchett is by far my favourite performance of the year. Although I hope... Oh, we'll talk about actresses later. I, I just think everything in this film is so rich and so subtle as just an exploration of the mind of an individual who is like plagued by narcissism and paranoia. It reminded me of some of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's best, like uh, Phantom Thread and There Will Be Blood, if I have to compare it to any film. Yeah, it is It is very Phantom Thread. I, yeah, it's, I really liked her, but I kind of expected it to be mind-blowing and transcendent in the way that it seems to have been for you, and it just wasn't that for me, even though I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't quite get there, but it like walked the threshold of mind-blowingness almost until the very, very end. Let's put it like that. Not to quantify things into, you know, meaningless statistics, but the difference between a four-star and a five-star film can often just be one small change for different, for different people, and it's just what you what resonates with you mm-hmm. personally, and I think more so than you, I, I'm very much dialed into you know, narrative, and I think the script in this is great. There's a lot of character threads that just get dropped like there's a lot of secondary characters that just disappear off screen but you know it, it kind of works thematically to to explore Lydia Tarr's isolation but yeah no I liked it more than you but I also really liked it perfect film but a film doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful and often that's what makes it wonderful exactly uh, I love its imperfections <laughs> and I love Lydia's imperfections I can fix her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, Top Gun Maverick. I like that this is nominated. I've seen bits. Uh, I've started watching it. I have, I've yet to finish it. But we recorded our episode on the first Top Gun yesterday. Which will come out next week. Yeah. Yeah. I like this film a lot. I am more excited about this blockbuster being nominated than I am Avatar Way of Water. That feels a bit more like a legacy nomination from the first Avatar, which seems to have been the runner-up to The Hurt Locker the year that that came out. Mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick, I think, is such an achievement, not just in terms of action cinema, but in getting people to go to the cinema. Yeah. And I think to not honour that would be a bit disingenuous based on the fact this is such an industry-based award. And it's so surprising for a sequel to Top Gun, which it's a famous film, but it's by no means the most beloved film of the 80s. No, but it might be the most beloved film of the 80s that doesn't have a sequel. Yeah, but I think it's a testament to how good Top Gun Maverick was that it got so many people to go watch it. But also that Tom Cruise waited nearly 40 years to make a sequel. They wanted him to make a sequel straight away, and he's waited until he's... How old is he, 60 now? Uh, Possibly. He was 20... 24 and 86. Yeah, he's probably like, I think he's 60. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, the fact that it works so well despite everything and the fact that it doesn't change that much the style of the original, Mm -hmm. but somehow it still works and doesn't feel tacky is really cool. And from what I've seen, it looks better than the original. Like the special effects make the, I don't know, just the flying that much more visually engaging than the original where we're mostly just stuck inside the cockpit. Yeah, I think there is more not quite stunt work but there is more the actors in the cockpit flying because they tried doing that in the Tony Scott one but all the actors threw up other than Tom Cruise (laughs) because he is insane yeah so yeah Top Gun Maverick cool nomination cool nomination hope he doesn't win (laughs) well Triangle of Sadness which I still haven't seen. Uh, winner of the Pandora. Yeah. Uh, directed by Ruben Ostland, uh, the director of Force Majeure, which I absolutely love. And The Square, which also won the Pandora. He's got two Pandoras, this guy. He's that's too two... many. Well, no, you've got two hands. Oh, that's You've got two palms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that works in both ways because you can hold the the palm doors in two hands, but also palm is a part of the hand. Yeah, I got that. You didn't need to explain it. Well, well no, but if 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 you only know palm door because it's a French phrase. I think the word palm is also the same in French for for the the palm. Well, of the you hand. know what? We'll ask Emma yeah. next time. So we what happens it. if you have two golden globes? Where's the what's the joke there? Boobs. Boobs. Okay. They're just boobs. Yeah. Okay. The tiny boobs. Not tiny. Not they're, big. They're good. Anyway, triangular, <laughs> triangular sadness. Again. A- Cool nomination. I don't love this film as much as some people. I, I really liked it. I think it kind of trails off towards the end. But, you know, I think it's gr- I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, think... How does it fit in the tradition of similar films like Parasite or... From, from what I've read, it, it seems to be kind of a sardonic satire of upper-class society in, 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 you know, in the same line as Parasite or, if you will, the Knives Out movies. Yeah, it's more like Glass Onion and, say, The Menu... 
mm. than it is like Parasite. Para what sets it apart from Parasite is that the Park family are very wealthy, but they're not, you know, mansion and they're royalty not billionaires, wealthy. They're exactly. millionaires, yeah. They're wealthy professionals. Yeah. Or at least the father is. And it's the sort of wealth that audiences are aware of and mm. may well have interacted with uh, in some setting. The wealth on display in Triangle of Sadness is the absolute upper crust you know, oligarchs. Yeah, it's not even the 1%, it's the point zero one percent Exactly, yeah. and I think that that kind of lessens the satire because the target is so remote from the audience that it's a bit like, A, it's not really going to do that much damage because they're so far removed from your reality as well as reality itself in if this a recent takeover of Twitter has taught us anything. But also that it's not really forcing the audiences to confront anything about themselves. Film, I think there's more of a case to be made in rallying up the audience against, you know, the 0.1% than the 1%, because as you said, the 1% is largely comprised by people who made their wealth through work and who paid their fair share of taxes, whereas, you know, it's the, it's the oligarchs who are the actual rich that a lot of people want to eat, as it were. But we're not talking about the menu here. You're right, and I agree with you. Well, I just want to finish this thought. Yeah. I think the difference with that is, though, that by saying the enemy are the people who are above you, and it doesn't force you to confront anything about yourself and your own conduct. Mm. And yes, that's a double-edged sword, but I think that increased social consciousness among people who are able to be more considerate in how they interact with society at large is a positive and I think that Parasite made me think more about privileges I've enjoyed than Triangle of Sadness did which just made me think aren't the ultra rich dickheads oh so you feel like the audience is watching Triangle of Sadness might agree with it but then like just not do anything about the problems that it addresses because they're so far out of reach yeah and it's not their fault yeah true and women talking which I haven't seen you haven't seen neither of us have seen because we hate women well we like women we just don't like it when they talk <laughs> You know, but, but, As podcast <laughs> hosts. Name me something other than talk that women do, am I right? Uh, but anyway, uh, this film also quote, doesn't... Quote, quote by a guy with a podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this film doesn't come out in the UK until February 10th, so I will be seeing it then, but I don't have anything interesting to add now. So, Francesco, who do you want to win and who will win? Who do I want to win, Tar? Because it's about time that... Lydia Tar won an Oscar. Exactly. And uh, if it doesn't win, I will blame cancel culture for it. Who will win... It's a toss-up between Fablemans and Everything Everywhere, but I predict Everything Everywhere because the past few years, what won Best Picture was the more popular slash populist film rather than the one that won Best Drama at the Golden Globes. And that award, or the equivalent to that award in the past few years seems to have been Best Director rather than Best Picture. So I think every, Everything Everywhere will win as the thing that brings together both the industry and the more audience-oriented voters. Yeah, I, I, I think I broadly agree. I also just think Everything Everywhere has some real momentum behind it. I don't think The Fablemans is provoking that kind of talk. And also and Steven he, Spielberg doesn't need another Oscar. No, he has two Best Director Oscars and one Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, there you go. Set for so, life. Yeah, uh, mine are the same. It's Everything Everywhere All at Once for what I want and what I think will win. Okay. Even though, you know, I like a lot of these other films and if I had to pick a, another film to win, I guess it... I think Tar would be an interesting win. I really... Like I said, I really like The Fablemans, but I don't, I'd be kind of bored if it won. Yeah, but I wouldn't complain about it. What's the film that you don't want to win if there is one? That I think has a serious chance of winning. No, that you don't want to win, just like... Period. If you won, you'd be, you'd be disappointed. I guess Avatar The Way of Water, but I don't think it's going to win, so it's kind of pointless to mm. say that. I've not seen Women Talking, Triangle of Sad... I, the thing is, I don't this, know what... This I year don't there know. isn't a film that I don't want to win, whereas in the past few years you could say Green Book, for example. Do you feel like whatever wins, you will probably go, ah, okay. That's interesting, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's a boring choice for any yeah. of these nominees, which is kind of exciting, isn't it's it? It's good, it's good. It marks a good year. All right, best director of the nominees are Martin McDonough for Banshee's Vinishirin, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. Mm -hmm. So we talked about these films individually. Who do you think will win and who do you want to win? I mean, like, once again, I think I've, I've seen two out of four here. Uh, between the two I've seen, between Banshees and... No, oh, no, you, and I've, seen, I've seen three out of five, sorry, yeah. It's but, a long day. Yeah, sorry. So I've seen three out of five here. Between the three that I've seen, I'd probably go Todd Field again. There tends to be a lot of overlap between my favourites for Best Picture and Best Director. I need to, like, 
try and divorce those a bit more. But I think this is the one that Spielberg has the best chance of winning. I agree. I think Spielberg will win. I would love it if Quan and Shine up won. But I think they will win Best Picture. Yeah. I think people are excited about the film. I don't feel people talking as much about them as directors. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're early in their career. Yeah, no, especially because the success of the film is such a compendium of the the performances and the screenplay and everything else, whereas Fablemas is mostly being talked about as you know Steven Spielberg's brainchild, which makes perfect sense yeah. because it's a you know autobiographical film. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, I reckon Spielberg walks away with this, but I could be pleasantly surprised. But I, I don't see Todd Field winning. Mm. No, I don't. I don't think that. I, I think the best chance that Tara's got is for. Kate Blanchett as an actress. Yeah, which brings us on to the acting categories. We have Austin Butler mm-hmm. as Elvis Presley in Elvis, Colin Farrell in The Banshees Vinisherin, Brendan Fraser in the first nomination for The Whale, Paul Mescal in After Sun. Which I'm so happy about. Which I love Paul Mescal. Uh, I think he's great I in love After Sun. And Bill Nye in Living, which is Bill Nye's first Oscar nomination. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's mad. It's it's crazy. I've, I've not seen Living, but I like uh, Ikiru, and we talked about Oliver Hermanus <laughs> on our Top Gun yeah. episode, uh, because he directed Moffy, which we all really loved. Yeah, I'm so surprised that, to find out that, oh. I'm so surprised to find out that it was the same guy who made Living, because I didn't care about Living when I saw it. I was just like... But now I think I'm going to check it out. <laughs> yeah, because we're like the director. Yeah, thoughts? Uh, no one I'm not as passionate about anyone winning this award as I am for Best Actress. I'd be really happy if Brendan Fraser won. He's not going to win. No, I think that The Whale isn't cutting through enough. We, first of all, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. We could be totally wrong about this, but mm-hmm. our thoughts we discussed yesterday, actually. It would be a career win if he'd done multiple films, which people are now saying he should get an Oscar for. I think people are revisiting his career and saying that, oh, The Mummy is amazing, and George of the Jungle, he's a lot of fun in. Yeah, but those are not Oscar Exa- you know, exactly. performances. No, but I, I compared this nomination to... Chadwick Boseman's nomination a couple of years ago that everyone said he was going to win because of the emotional factor of him having passed away mm-hmm. to the point where the ceremony itself put the Best Actor award at the very end instead of Best Picture. Which is somehow a bigger Oscar fuck-up than giving La La Land <laughs> the Best Picture Yeah, because then who won was Anthony Hopkins who was a legacy actor giving one of his best career performances. And he wasn't there. And he wasn't even there. So I feel like Have, he, you, have you seen The Father? I've seen The Father. I've seen you, all, I've seen all Best one, Picture nominees. Do you think it's one of his best performances? Well, according to the Academy, it was. And I can see why. Like, it's Chadwick Boseman giving a good... Like, I don't even know if it's in his top 10 best performances. And that's just... A, and that's from someone who really liked The Father. But I just think that there are so many more Anthony Hopkins performances that... I think Anthony Hopkins might be the better example of what you're talking about than Brendan Fraser. Even though Anthony Hopkins went on to win the Oscar. Well, um, I was going to compare Anthony Hopkins that year to someone like Colin Farrell this year. But who also has never had an... The only acting nomination, which is a repeat nomination, is Kate Blanchett. Everyone else doesn't have an Oscar. That's true. But no, the thing about Chadwick Boseman that year is that... Like, there was a time when Chadwick Boseman was just starting to get really good roles and really good performances out there. Uh, Kind of, but... It became sort of, until he got Black Panther, it was kind of a running joke of, oh, he's just going to play every African-American historical figure because he played James Brown, Jackie Robinson, and Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, but that's the thing. He never got his big Oscar vehicle, and Marini's Black Bottom evidently wasn't it. Well, it got him the nomination, but I think people thought Get On Up would be his Oscar vehicle, but Mm. it just didn't happen. I think he's wonderful in that film. But, you know, like the same way that Heath Ledger won the year that he died, but he was also like a career-defining performance for him. It, it just happened to concur. I'd love to see Paul Mescal win. Me too. He's not going to win. It's He's not going to win. It's between Colin Farrell and Austin, and Austin Butler. I feel like the Paul Mescal nomination just to, is almost them saying, we noticed, don't worry, we got you. You're going to, this is going to be the first of many, in a way that I think people assumed would be the case for Chadwick Boseman early in his career, which is why they didn't yeah. push it earlier. I wish the kid actress in After Sun was nominated. Frankie Correa. Yeah, they, they should nominate a child actor every year and yeah. give them the award because they love seeing them win. They're so happy. I didn't ask, are there any directors that you wish were nominated? S.S. Roger Mooley. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But yeah. Also RRR, I wish it was picture. nominated for Best Picture or Best International Film, but that's India's this, fault. This, this, this is... Fault. Deliberately a bit of a chaotic episode. It's uh, yeah. not particularly well structured. No, uh, um, I'm going to get another beer, actually. Okay. Yeah, sure. In terms of actors who I wish were nominated, I wish more comedy performance were, performances were recognised. So my question for you is, is Daniel Craig in Glass Onion lead actor or supporting? I think he... Well, he's been presented as lead, and that was his nomination for the Golden Globes. I'm pretty sure Janelle Monet was nominated for supporting, which... 
I kind of I view her as a co-lead in that film, mm-hmm. but it's ultimately what the distributors submitted to the Academy as. Yeah, yeah. I think that Daniel Craig is more the lead in Glass Onion than he is in the original Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Anna de Armas is very much the lead of the first one. Yeah, in Glass Onion, Janet Monet doesn't, doesn't really emerge as the until lead the second half. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she's wonderful, and I think she's a great actor. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I agree with you. Who would you love to see win? Paul Maskell. Me too. Mm-hmm. And who do you think will win? Again, as I said, it's a toss-up between Colin. It's a toss-up between Colin Farrell and Austin Butler. I'm seeing Austin Butler a bit closer just because doing biopics and playing real-life figures tends to give you an edge, at least in the past few years. And he already won the Golden Globe as well. So, but although they were nominated for different categories in the Golden Globe, oh no, they were both nominated for musical and comedy. No, Austin Butler was nominated for drama. Really? Which, which is crazy. But like the category is literally musical or comedy. It's being and Rhapsody, same thing, nominated for drama. Uh-huh. The reason I think Colin Farrell will win is that I think the Rami Malek win for Bohemian Rhapsody has aged pretty poorly. And I can't remember who my pick for that year would be out of the nominees, but yeah, I, I, I think he could win. I think he's got a f- better chance than most, but I... You know, I, I think it's Colin Farrell's year. I think he's running a really good campaign. I think he comes across super well in every press junket he's doing. And, you know, I, I also think Banshee's Venice Sharon is a better film than Elvis, even though I like Elvis. But I think Colin Farrell's had a really good year. As well as Benji Vinicius. He's on the Batman. He's in the Batman. He's really good in the Batman. Yeah. He's in After Yang. Which I haven't seen. Yeah. And yeah, he's just he's just doing stuff. And he's been working. He's had such like a great career in the last few years. Since, you know, not to make it overly personal, but you know, since he got sober, I'm just you know, very happy for him. Yeah. There's so much goodwill towards Colin Farrell. And I don't feel like people know Austin Butler as well. Yeah, exactly. And I really hope that Brandon Fraser will get more chances in the coming years. He will get more roles. But I don't think this is the year for him. No, I don't think so. And I think... It sucks that the Golden Globes are so early in award season because he was never going to win the Golden Globe because he hates the Golden Globes for very good reasons, which are well documented and it's I don't want to go into it on mic. But considering what the Golden Globes have, you know, put Brendan Fraser th- through, it sucks that they seem to decide who is likely to win an Oscar. Yeah. But I've not seen The Whale. I think I probably will at some point. So that I can make up my own mind about it, because it seems to be very polarizing. I'm not the biggest Aronofsky fan. Me neither. Uh, he seems like someone who is well-intentioned. Uh, yeah, but also likes a, pretentious. Likes the sound of his own voice. Yeah. Bit, even when his films are ostensibly about other voices. All right, best actress. This is, I think, where it gets spicy. Ooh. Kate Blanchett as Kate Blanchett plays Lydia Tarr. I just assumed Lydia Tarr played herself. No, because they they couldn't get her. Well, she, she was in the Philippines. Oh, that's true. That's true. Ana de Armas in Blonde, which I haven't scene. Did you which I, I, I never want to watch that film in my life. I've seen clips, I've heard opinions. I, 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 I I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm probably going to watch it, but all this shit, so reluctantly. It kind of reminds me of the Kristen Stewart Diana nomination. Hmm. Just the idea of seeing someone morph into a very well-documented figure. In a way that's dif- different to the Austin Butler thing, because mm. it's Austin Butler is like embodied, I think it's a very good performance and totally embodies something, but seeing an actor, particularly a female actor, just sort of twist their way into the almost into the skin of someone it's a really weird and jarring experience to watch and I think it works really well in Diana well, especially because Austin Butler and especially Rami Malek and Bohemia Rhapsody were doing an impression almost of the person that they were performing in. Uh, the Armas doesn't seem to really be doing an impression of Marilyn Monroe at all. Yeah, but I think what makes that different to Elvis, at least in the context of those films, is that Marilyn Monroe was doing an impression of Marilyn Monroe. Princess Diana was doing an impression of Princess Diana yeah. because of the way the media was targeting them, yeah. which is very different to how the media looked at people like Elvis Presley and Freddie Mercury. Absolutely. So that's why I made the point of it being slightly different for female mm-hmm. actors. Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, a film I know absolutely nothing about. Good for her. I love Andrea Riseborough. Playing Leslie into Leslie. Yeah. Do you, have... do you know about this? The the Academy are meeting tomorrow at time recording on a Monday. I think they're meeting tomorrow to decide if her nomination broke rules. Because she's not really a lead? No, because... Do you know she got... So before the nominations, a bunch of very high profile people, including Kate Blanchett and Edward Norton and a bunch of other like real A-listers tweeted a pretty much identical message about how good Andrea Riseborough is in Two Leslie. Okay. So people are thinking, does this unfairly sway Academy voting? And so even other nominees were part of this, like AstroTurfing. It's so weird. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure what the argument is, but also like they were fine when 
Harvey Weinstein bought the fucking Oscar win for Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. Like, this is very above board. It, yes, it influenced people, but it's an industry award. Yeah. I don't know. I'll see, I'll, look, I'll see what they say. I like Andrea Riseborough. I think that she has given many Oscar-worthy performances mm-hmm. in the past. And, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see t- to Leslie. I'm sure I will at some point. But th- this whole what's the word? this whole conspiracy idea around her nomination, someone who has never courted awards fame before, is very odd to me. And you know, maybe, I, maybe she waited for a moment. To- <laughs> This seems to be the worst moment. Uh, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans as Steven Spielberg's mum. Very good performance. Or I will say, no Jewish woman, especially no Jewish mother, has hair that straight. That's, That's all fair. But Her hair should be curlier. But apparently she looks a lot like Steven Spielberg's mum. Yeah, who, you know, who's to say she didn't she just, you know, press it. <laughs> she didn't straighten it. I, having seen that film, I don't know if that character would have the self-control to do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a mother with very curly hair who tortures herself to make it straight. Uh, well, maybe she's I, wearing a wig. See, I, I get, I, I could buy that. Uh. I think Michelle Williams is very good in that, but I don't think this is the year she wins. I'm sure that year is coming, but I just don't see it this year for obvious reasons we will get into. And Michelle Yeoh and everything everywhere all at once. Who you're rooting for, I assume. I am absolutely rooting for... Yeah. Kate Blanchett has two Academy Awards. She doesn't need a third. That's the thing. I think Kate Blanchett deserves it for her performance. I want Michelle Yeoh to win because she, you know, she doesn't have one. And I want her to have one. She should have won for Crouching Tiger. Yeah, yeah. She should have won a supporting one for Crazy Rich Asians. She's given Oscar-worthy performances many times over. But it's not just a career thing. I think she gives a genuinely amazing performance in Everything Everywhere all at once. And I love her for it. And she is my queen. And I want her to be my friend. But is it as good as Kate Blanchett who you didn't even notice wasn't the real Lydia Tarr when you watched the film? That is true. That is true. Speaking but, of embodying a real person. Well, was she just doing an imitation of the real Lydia? Uh, she was kind of doing an impression, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's, it's an Austin Butler but, yeah, thing. I, it's interesting because I want Michelle Yeoh to win and I think she will and you want Kate Blanchett to win and you think she will. No, I want Michelle Yeoh to win. I think Kate Blanchett gave the best performance. I want oh. Michelle Yeoh to win because I want her to get the award. Who do you think will win? Based on other awards, probably Michelle Yeoh. Because I think a lot of industry people are going to go through a similar logic as you. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll see what happens. I mean, I wouldn't be mad, but I'd be disappointed if they gave it to Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett doesn't need it, that's the thing. Not that Michelle Yeoh needs it, but I don't Well, know. if Michelle Yeoh wins over Lydia Tarr, then it's just woke culture going too far yet again. Who do you think would win a fight? Michelle Yeoh or Lydia Tarr? Michelle- Not Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr. Well, Lydia Tarr is really good at pushing people, but Michelle Yeoh has actual martial arts training, so I put my money on Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a fight Lydia Tarr can win. No. It's a fight maybe Kate Blanchett can win. <laughs> <laughs> what, what nonsense. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think this is uh, Michelle Yeoh's year. And you said you, you'd like Frankie Corio to have been nominated, but she wasn't. Yeah, and every time there's a child actor nominated, I want them to win because they're always so happy to be there. They should just give awards to children. What Who cares about adults? Tatum O'Neill, I think, is uh, one um, award. Uh, Anna, pa- Anna Packing for the piano. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, deserved. Yeah. She's great in the piano. I love the piano. It's <laughs> such a good film. Oh. My question is... Is it possible that Everything Everywhere wins Best Picture, but Michelle Yeoh doesn't win Best Actress? I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but I mean, yeah, yeah. is it likely I, I, that happens? I see, just based on Golden Globes and other awards, I see it happening the other way around more easily. But once again, Golden Globes haven't been a good metric of what's going to win Best Picture for a number of years now. It's not a metric of what wins, but it is a metric of what is in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things can change in the next few weeks. We don't know. But I think so much of the film is based on how good Michelle Yeoh's performance is, that if it wins Best Picture, it's not like Coda where everyone was talking about particular performance. Ultimately, they did win Best Supporting Actor, but it's, it wasn't built around a real movie star performance mm-hmm. in a way that everything everywhere is. If Same way, if, if Tar happened to win Best Picture, Kate Blanchett, I think, would easily walk away with Best Actress. Yeah. So flip it. I don't know how... I mean, people are crazy, but everything everywhere winning Best Picture would mean that Michelle Yeoh... To me, I don't know how you give that Best Picture, but not Best Actress. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So let's just rush through... Supporting actor, Brandon Gleeson, Banshees Vinna Sharon. Brian Tyree Henry, Causeway, Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans, Barry Keoghan, Banshees Venesharan, and Kehi Kwan, Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's going to be Kehi Kwan. It's going to be Kehi Kwan. I'd love to see Barry Keoghan win, but Kehi Kwan, I'd be really happy if he won. It's kind of the Paul Mescal thing, though, of like, they've tapped him. Yeah, Barry Keoghan is going to have many more chances. This Kehi Kwan's here. Yeah, and you know what, he deserves it. I will say Brian Tyree Henry 
I love, I'm so glad he has an Oscar nomination. Should have got it for Widows. That's, yeah. all, that's what I'll say. I mean, yeah. he's given lots of great performances. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale, Kerry Condon for The Banshees of Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Well, it I'd, I'd love to, to see Kerry Condon win. I love Kerry. I've loved Kerry Condon since Rome. <laughs> yeah. She's so amazing in that show, and also she's really beautiful. But also Angela Bassett. I, I love them both. Angela Bassett needs an Oscar. Yeah. She's not dying anytime soon, but like, I don't know the next. She hasn't. She hasn't had a nomination since What's Love Got to Do With It. And she was playing Tina Turner there. Yeah. It was also Lawrence Fishburne's first mm-hmm. and only Oscar nomination. But yet again, a nomination for playing a real-life character in a biopic. That's yeah, boring. But, be- but before it was, like, super boring. It was already boring, but before, like, that was... But imagine winning a, a performance Oscar for a Marvel movie. Now, that'd be interesting. It would be. I mean, I've heard people say it would be a real shame if Angela Bassett's entire amazing career is, you know, watered down to winning the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But first of all, she's great in that movie. The, th- the thing that I'd say to people who are worried that it will reduce Angela Bassett's career is no one remembers that Al Pacino was in Scent of a Woman. They just know he has an Oscar. Yeah. Like, Sean Connery is more famous for being James Bond than he is for being in The Untouchables. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. She deserves an Oscar. Yeah. And if it's for this film, who cares? I think she deserves it for this. It's a very good performance. Personally, I'd love to see Stephanie Hsu win. Same, yeah. Again, she's young. Yeah, you're right. She's got chances. Carrie Condon. I think is wonderful in The Banshees of Inisherin. I'd love to see her win. I've not seen The Whale. I think Hong Chao is really good in The Menu. Jamie Lee Curtis, again, she's a bit like Angela Bassett. That, like, if she wins, it'll kind of be a career thing. Mm. But I, I will say that The Woman King being shut out of nominations, I think that I could easily get rid of Jamie Lee Curtis and put in Lashana Lynch or Sheila Atim for The Woman King. Yeah, especially as there's two nominations for Everything Everywhere and Supporting Actor. And I think Stephanie Hsu deserves it more. Yeah. For that particular performance, not mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Jamie Lee Curtis is such quite... It's not that integral a performance. Mm-hmm. What other performance snubs did you say you were disappointed about? Well, I mean, I'm also... I could t- maybe take out Anna de Armas and put in Viola Davis. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are very upset about Daniel Detweiler for Till not being nominated. Mm-hmm. But well, I'd love to see... Not to talk too much about Tar, it's just one of the films I've seen the most recently. The but... other thing about snubs is that we're going to get into it more on our own award show. Oh, that's fair, yeah. But I'd love to see Noemi Merlan from Tar be nominated as supporting... Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's amazing in that film. Yeah, I mean... Uh, so, and here we have The Last of the Big Five, Best Original and Adapted Screenplay. Okay, Banshee's been sharing Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness for Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. I think it's Everything Everywhere All at Once, If it, especially if it doesn't win Best Picture. If it doesn't win Best Picture, if it does, there might be Banshee's. I, I, I think if it wins Best Picture, it also wins Best Original Screenplay. My point is that Original Screenplay usually goes to the film that should win Best Picture if it doesn't, but people don't know what going to win so they don't modulate according to that so we're thinking Banshees isn't, isn't going to win anything other than maybe the actor yeah unfortunately yeah. even though it's a very good screenplay I, I just think everything everywhere all at once is a lock for original screenplay again yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about I could be wrong yeah I've not put money on it my brother has <laughs> through your suggestions yeah <laughs> Okay, uh, what do you think? I, I think it's everything ever all, all at once and I think it deserves it. It might be. Do you think it should be tough? For this category, I actually think it should be Banshees because... I just uh, feel like Banshees is a very good play. That's the thing, it's a screenplay uh, award, it's not a direction award or, but or anything but, else. But a screenplay is more than just dialogue. And I love Banshees, I'm just saying that a lot of the time people focus, when it comes to screenplay, on very noticeable, stylized dialogue. Yeah, but I just don't know how much of what's, what I like that is in Tar is part of the screenplay or is just part of the visuals. Again, I would need to read these screenplays to properly assess them, to be like, Why what, didn't what was, you? I haven't, no, because I haven't had time to watch the films, so you think I have time to read the screenplays. It takes about the same time I was watching the film, it's not, it's not faster, actually, now that I think about it. I need to read Tar's screenplay, but uh, j- just to see, like, what... Do you think it, any of it was improvised? No, I just think, like, so many scenes that... Uh, there are so many scenes that are purely visuals. I don't know how my... Um, much of those was described in the screenplay itself or just planned during production. I also think that just narratively, 
I do have some, same as you, these appointments with Tari for judging it just as a narrative and not, sure. you know, as a visual experience. Whereas with Banshees, it's not just the dialogue being tight. I think the narrative structure is very strong. I think the character relations are very strong. And I think each character arc is given its, you know, proper okay, uh, no, place in the narrative. You, so I think it's a better screenplay just on its own. You make a good argument. Yeah. It's still going to be everything everywhere all at once. Fair. <laughs> because there is a scene where there are rocks with subtitles and it made me cry. With goggly eyes. I did have goggly eyes at the time. No, the rock said. So did I. <laughs> okay, uh, best adapted screenplay. All Quiet in the Western Front, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick and Women Talking. I just want to say Top Gun Maverick and Glass Onion are both nominated for best adapted screenplay, ostensibly because they're both sequels. Mm-hmm. However, Top Gun Maverick is an adaptation. Of? Of. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, the original Top Gun is a loose adaptation of a non-fiction magazine article, Top Guns, by Ehud Yone for California Magazine. So it is an adaptation. So if I'm treating the back of a shampoo bottle and I decide to write a screenplay on someone with dry hair because I've read it on the shampoo bottle, is that screenplay an adaptation? If you buy the rights to that shampoo bottle, it is. Yeah. But of course you could risk not telling people and then the shampoo company could sue you. I'll take that risk because I'm a maverick. I'm dangerous. That's true. You do live dangerously. What do you think wins? What do I think wins? I've not seen women talking. That might win it, for this one. It, it may or, win. all quiet on the Western Front. I think but, it's a toss-up between those two, but yeah. you've not seen all quiet on the Western Front and neither of us have seen women talking. I just feel like it is between those two. It could be living. I mean, Kazuo Ishiguro, people, he's a very well-respected novelist. Yeah. We'll see. I, I kind of don't have a choice for this because I've not seen enough of these nominees. And also two of them are just original <laughs> screenplays. Um, kind of. I mean, I, so I don't... Glass Onion has a shot. Glass Onion has a good shot. It's just that we're not counting because it's not an actual adaptation, but unfairly compares to the others. We won't go through all the nominees for Best Animated Film, but I think we're, we both we think it's going to be Guillermo del Toro's yeah. Pinocchio, and we really hope it is. Yeah, if they give it to Disney... Apparently it's... Puss in Boots The Last Wish is great. It is great, but again, let's think of the award as best use of animation rather than... Which apparently, like, I mean, Puss in Boots, which I haven't seen, uses animation, like, really, really well. Like, it's got a lot of very stylized scenes. It's been compared to Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, which uh, which is why I really want to see It's very surprising, because I thought uh, it would just be, like, Shrek, which I think is very ugly. Well, but there's a few scenes that are, from what I've seen from clips, more like Into the Spider-Verse. But the broader style is, to, is still the very Pixar style, which... Again, amazingly talented 3D animators, but in terms of direction and stylistic choices, very, very samey to the same shit we've been exposed to for the past couple of decades. Yeah. Whereas Pinocchio doesn't look like anything I've ever seen. Best international feature film, I think we both think it's all going to be all quiet in the Western Front. Yeah. I especially mean, since RR isn't nominated. And also, like, it's the only one on this list that's been nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Picture. That's true. Argentina in 1985 did win the Golden Globe, but I think it's going to be all quiet in the Western Front. Yeah. Because I think that's a good way to nod to the fact that it won Best Picture in 1930 uh, without actually giving it the Best Picture award mm. again. But, you know, we'll see. Best Documentary, I've not seen enough of these, but the only one people seem to be talking about is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Yeah, which I really want to watch. Best original score. I'd love to see Babylon win something. I love Babylon. Did you? I absolutely love Babylon. I think it is the sort of maximalism that I like, where it kind of, it serves something rather than, I don't want to be reductive to Baz Luhrmann because I think he does some interesting stuff as a filmmaker, but I don't know, Babylon just kind of hit the nail on the head for me. Mm-hmm. I think the best original score will be either All Quiet in the Western Front, which has a really overpowering score, and I don't know if I mean that in a purely good way, or The Fablemans, because John Williams keeps threatening to retire to win Oscars. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's between The Fablemans and All Quiet in the Western Front. Having seen both these films, and I think All Quiet in the Western Front is the more noticeable score. That doesn't mean it's the best score. In the same way, the most noticeable dialogue isn't the best screenplay. Exactly, yeah. Not that you were saying that. Best original score, I I, I think probably it's going to be favorites, especially if All Quiet on the Western Front wins Best International. But we'll see. Too close to call for me on that. But if I had to bet, I'd say the favorites. Same. Best original song, I think we both hope and think it will be Natu Natu from RRR. Rise, Roar, Revolt. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 
It should have been nominated for Best Picture. It should have been on for, at least for Best International Feature, but... Yeah, but that's not the Oscars' fault. That's no, that's the yeah. Indian government's fault. Okay. But yeah, it's it's a great song, and the reason why I think it'll win, even though Lift Me Up has a fairly good chance, I mean, Rihanna, I think, will probably get an EGOT at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Natu Natu has the distinction of being an integral part of the narrative. Yeah. And being very memeable. The question is, should this have been the song from RRR that was nominated? Yes. Okay, fair. Because the other ones are repeated throughout, so it's very difficult to think of them as songs and not themes. Oh, so yeah, are you going to pick the song or the reprise of the song with a different arrangement? Yeah, and it's the... This Ma- also, and it's yeah. the main one that they sing. It's also, yeah, the, I think it's the only one that, that they the both two sing. characters sing. Uh, the other are just, yeah, other singers. Like there, there is, a, or there's a solo. But yeah, we love it. We've talked about it. We won't go through all the technical ones, but I will say I was surprised Tar wasn't nominated for Best Sound. Mm, yeah, me too. Although there's a surprising little amount of music scenes in a film. But it's about. so effective when it turns up. And like when she's playing the accordion. Just the choice of music, the contrast between the opening credits and the end credits. Exactly. I think it's genius. Yeah, I, I just think that the sound editing in that is so tight and clean. I don't know what will win. I think it'll probably be All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. But I think that could win you know, a bunch of technical awards. And yeah, that's. I don't really have much else to say. Best visual effects, I don't really really have many thoughts that'll probably be avatar for being honest oh yeah no that I don't think because that, that is a, that is such a yeah great achievement everything everywhere probably for editing but I, I i don't really know what else to say i mean i'm you know i'm i'm interested to see what happens and whether our takes change we may have to do an emergency session if something radical happens in well we're gonna weeks. do an episode on the ceremony itself and a main line episode on whatever wins best picture we're gonna do a let's talk on our own awards yeah featuring our good friend Siobhan Brown yeah who is I guess the host of our award show yeah uh, what are we like we're presenters we're pres- yeah. no we're yeah we're presenting the awards mm-hmm. I think last year was a weird Oscars yeah I mean, I mean oh, de- well, def- definitely a weird Oscars like does anyone remember Coda does anyone remember King Richard existing but well, everyone remembers what happened no but does anyone remember that film I don't think any- anyone remembered it when it won Best Actor well um, certainly not oh yeah Call to action today is going to be like, if you've already watched all of the Best Picture nominees, go watch RRR and After Sun, my personal films of the year. But we'll talk about more about our personal films of the year in the BYW Awards. And my call to action is keep watching movies. And if you can, watch them in a cinema. It's fun. And you keep them moving. It, it's, I like it. And I like going to cinema with people. Don't watch After Sun in the cinema. You'll cry in public. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just been a theme of Batch. Two was like, yeah, I saw this. I cried. <laughs> but yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, should, we, should we wrap it up there? Yeah. We don't really have like a, a finishing thought. Just we like movies and it seems like the Oscars are starting to like movies as well. Well, what do you want to win? Me? No, what do you listeners want to win? Best picture. Leave a comment on our Twitter, on our Instagram, whatever. Subscribe to our Spotify and Apple podcast for regular updates, not only because you watched, but also on Let's Talk. And let's give our final thanks today to... Uh, uh, Jade, our producer, Molecule, our artist. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, that's us at Pod. on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you, Charlie. And thank you for listening. <laughs> Just a good-looking pan An envy shop girl can be a top girl If she pleases a tired businessman Hooray for Hollywood You may be homely in your neighborhood Be an actor, see Mr. Factor You'll make your kisser look good So I'll be trying